In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Glad to have you back on the Retirement Pathfinder podcast. I'm Ben George, along with Phil Gusky and Barbara Lane over at Pathfinder Wealth Management there in Rockford, Illinois. You can find them online, and you can always schedule a time to meet with them at pathfinderchat.com. Welcome in, Barbara and Phil. What's going on today? Well, not too much, but Phil's got a really cool story that I just heard, so I'm (laughs) sure he's going to want to share it. (laughs) I will. I'll share it. But uh, what else did you want to do, Ben? Did you want to talk about what we're going to talk about today first? Yeah, we can give a quick preview. We are going to hop in the mailbag again today. Uh, I know we have a number of things that have come in and some questions that have been asked. So I want to throw a a handful of those your way. We're going to kind of touch on a wide variety of financial planning topics, but I do love this because it's kind of open to a, a wide range of things that hopefully everyone listening will at least tap into something we, we discussed today. So should be good. But um, don't don't uh, distract from the, the matter at hand here, Phil. We've got a, a story. <laughs> oh, that let's I get on hear. with the story. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I've got basically, I know it's, it's we're past Halloween at this point, but I do have a spooky farm story. Okay. So here's my spooky farm story. So recently I was uh, out mowing uh, a path in the woods on the farm and um, it was getting to be dark out there and I looked ahead and I noticed ahead of me in the path that uh, there was a large a large animal a big animal um, it, it looked like a German shepherd but it was so there were so many shadows there and it was so dark I couldn't really make it out but it was it was big it was really big and so um, I thought well m- maybe that's a big coyote it looked a little bit like a German shepherd I wasn't sure um, I'd never seen a wolf in the area, but I thought that's a possibility. It's a wolf. Well, I thought, well, I'm not going to go ahead and, uh, proceed down the path there. I decided to back out and kind of leave the same way I came. So I, I went ahead and backed the tractor up. I was on a tractor, a pretty good sized tractor with a mower deck. And, um, so I looked behind me and I backed out and I started going down the path that I, I came from and, uh, lo and behold, that animal had, had gone around me and was in the pathway in front of me again. And so I decided that, wow, this, this mm-hmm. animal is uh, really, you know, very interested. And I didn't know if it was maybe, maybe a female coyote that was maybe had a den of pups or something sure. that she was trying to protect. But after I decided to, uh, you know, after I looked at her, I said, man, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and go forward see if I can scare a spooker away. I didn't have a gun at that point, but um, you never know, but it circled around and, and stood in front of me and it just stood there and just was facing me. Hmm. And I, I came to the conclusion it was actually stalking me. So I decided to move forward, try to scare it away, which I did do with the tractor. It did spook off, but uh, I concluded that it was either a, a huge female, a female coyote, something I'd never seen that large before, but probably uh, it was probably going to be uh, a wolf. Uh, you know, there's been oh, wolves okay. in the area. Hmm. Uh, they are much larger than coyotes, anywhere from hundred to 150 pounds uh, have been seen in our area. So, mm. you know, we thought maybe, uh, maybe it was just a hungry wolf looking for an early, easy meal. I don't know, but <laughs> don't, don't go out after dark. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, uh, it's, it can be, uh, it could be kind of perilous if, if you don't know the, uh, you know, the habitat in the area. Yeah. Cause they, I mean, it could go after your, well, you know, your dogs are both gone, but oh. it can go after those little dogs and you bet. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've had coyotes go after cats on the farm and that type of thing. You know, sure. they kind of, um, yeah, they kind of thin out the the cat the cat clan, as it were. Hmm. 
really interesting. There's always something <laughs> popping up at the farm, but that is a, <laughs> yes. a bit of a scary, it could be a scary uh, situation as, as night's kind of falling there. So really yeah. interesting stuff. All right. Thanks for sharing that as always, Phil. And uh, let's jump right into the mailbag and get some questions answered from some people that have written in. And you can always call if too. There's always an option if you want to talk to Barbara and Phil directly. The office number there is 815-399-9806. But these have come in via the website. And I want to start off with Marty. Marty says, I've always been an aggressive investor. I like to see my money grow. At what age am I supposed to get conservative? That is a good question, Marty. And since we don't know a lot about you, I'm going to assume that you're a younger investor. But even if you're close to retirement, the stock answer or statement, I should say, is it all depends. You know, a young person from a new investor through about age 55 can invest aggressively because you've got time on your side. As you get closer to retirement, you're going to want to dial down that risk if you're withdrawing on those accounts because you can't afford the heavy downside when you're withdrawing on those accounts. Like right now, it would be a little bit difficult if you were going to be an aggressive investor withdrawing money in this environment. Um, most of our clients aren't in uh, aren't an aggressive investor at this point in time in their life. Well, with that said, for listeners in the stock market in retirement, you need growth in retirement. You don't have to have a lot of risk to stay ahead of inflation, take income, and continue to grow. If you don't have growth during retirement years, you could stand to outlive your money. You have to outpace inflation. All of those things are very important. So it's not about age. It's the closer to retirement. Have your portfolio assessed. The way you're invested during retirement is determined by the income you'll need to withdraw to meet your needs to last for the rest of your life, possibly your spouses if you're married. So give us a call at... at uh, 815-399-9806. Otherwise, you can reach out to us at pathfinderchat.com and schedule just a 15-minute phone call. It's really important to key in on the, the important word that you brought up. It's called income, Barb. And income yeah. is really what's going to drive the type of portfolio that is required for the client. So it's not necessarily the age, like you say. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, We could go very conservative and it's not going to provide the income they need. And uh, quite frankly, they would be shorting themselves uh, later in life at a time when they probably need more income because of expenses going up and inflation and so forth. And then the long life expectancy. You Absolutely. Know, people live in 30 to 35 years now mm -hmm. in retirement. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's just a, it's a tough question to answer, though, without a whole lot of information, right? Because everybody, mm -hmm. the, the, the range of answers there could be, I guess, pretty wide. Right. All right. Thanks for that question, though, Marty. We do appreciate you sending in. Always uh, worth your time to follow up. All right. Uh, Charlotte is next. Says, I'm 60 and I'd love to retire. And I think I probably could. But it just seems like everyone I know waits until they're at least 65 or 66. Is it a bad idea to retire now? May not be a bad idea. But before we give Charlotte the nod here, we should really make sure rather than guess. And, you know, she seems to think that she can retire, but I don't see anything really solid, rock solid as far as actual numbers. And so to find out, uh, we must know uh, that she has certain things in place, and the greatest of which we call cash flow. Cash flow is really important here. First of all, uh, we have to calculate what all of Charlotte's outgoing or ongoing expenses, we'll call them static expenses, will be. So those are the expenses that are recurring and pre predictable, such as uh, mortgage, utilities, insurance, and property taxes, those things that we can count on month by month. Uh, secondly, you have to calculate the various recurring costs that may vary from month to month, such as food, entertainment, gas, gifts to family, wardrobe, uh, giving uh, to charities, and so forth. 
And then finally, you have to plug in enough money for those unexpected expenses. So we've got static expenses, we've got recurring expenses, and we've got unexpected expenses. And that would be such as uh, recurring expenses or unexpected expenses would be such as the furnace or air conditioning that might be going out, major car repairs, home repairs, uh, especially if you um, are a homeowner, you know, we have to do upkeep there, make sure we retain the value. Now, once we've identified and written down those hard numbers, we then need to determine the sources of income that will provide the cash flow that really meet, will meet those needs. So uh, some of those questions would, how much do you have in your 401ks or IRAs, or do you have a pension? Do you have substantial savings accounts or investment accounts apart from the retirement funds? Once we've identified those, we can you know, fire up the, uh, as I say, the Bozo pewter or the calculator and uh, make some calculations. So if you determine, for example, that you, uh, you've you identified, we'll say $50,000 per year, which is your bare minimum to meet all these expenses, uh, we have to figure out, okay, how are we going to provide that 50000 cash flow? So if uh, if you decide to retire right now, uh, Charlotte, and um, you need that $50,000, and you can get a 4% rate of return, you, believe it or not, you're going to have to have $1,250,000 uh, available to do that. However, if you wait nearly two years, two years, and at age 62, you pick up Social Security, and that'll provide $30,000 per year, now the amount of money that you have saved will go way down, or the amount of money you will need to have saved will go down. Mm-hmm. So $30,000 will uh, help to fund part of the $50,000 required, but that means that you'll need to pull $20,000 from your investments, 401k plans, IRAs, and so forth. And again, if you can achieve that 4% return, it's, which I think is very reasonable, Here's what you need. It goes from one million two hundred fifty thousand dollars bar up down to five hundred thousand. Yeah, big difference, right? It's a huge difference. Those two years will make a huge difference to provide the cash flow mm-hmm. without depleting the principal of the investment. In other words, you're just living off the interest. So one other factor that really we haven't pointed out yet, but it really is a huge part of the decision making process. Will you have to pick up private major medical insurance? That's a biggie. That is very expensive. And that might be the main reason why your friends have opted to wait until they're 65 to 66 to, to pull that in through Medicare and also to begin yep. accessing their Social Security. So as you can see, retirement income planning isn't really a guessing game. It really has to have hard numbers and it can get very complicated. So this is one of the areas that we work extensively on to make sure our clients don't run out of money before they run out of time. So just to be certain, we would require... Uh, or ask anybody who really has a question about uh, a cash flow to just uh, go ahead and go online to pathfinderchat.com, uh, register for a complimentary 15-minute conversation, just to make sure that they can make their nut. Yeah, you're right. You know, um, I just met, that just reminds me, I just met with a client last year, and uh, she's three years younger than him, and he retired last year. So for four years, last year and then the next three, mm-hmm. she's paying about $700 a month to be insured because her husband's, you know, about a Medicare age. So, she, but that, so that's, that's, that's a premium. huge, that's a huge difference mm-hmm. right there. Wow. Um, that's a huge premium. But um, I, I agree too, with what you're saying too, the determining factor is how much have you saved? If you have a pension, social security and so forth, but work with someone, Charlotte, who will care enough to analyze your situation to determine if you can retire and I say that because I just met with someone last week who has an advisor that did nothing as far as providing advice. 
Now, this person would have just run a simple report. It would have been determined that she shouldn't wait to collect Social Security, and her money is truly running out. Mm. Gave her an option of it running out in 10 years or possibly 20. Well, 20 years from now, and she's in her mid-60s, she could still very well be alive. You know, so um, for our listeners, the age 70 for collecting Social Security is great. If you can't afford, the keyword is afford mm-hmm. to wait, because you've got that 8% increase every year after you, uh, re- you know, reach your full retirement age for Social Security. But it doesn't mean you should. You get the highest payout at 70. It doesn't mean it always makes sense to do so. In this case, she should have been collecting earlier, and she wasn't. Yeah, it's really amazing how the variation of, of solutions for the clients. Um, it's not you know off the rack. One size does not fit all. That's right. It's very, very much different per client. So. Yeah, very good. There's a lot that goes into that, Charlotte. I know a lot of people are, are asking about retiring before 65, 66. So a common question. I know a lot of people around you might be waiting, but uh, that's not the case across the country. So great question. All right. Uh, Michael is next up. Says, my wife is significantly younger than me, and I'm guessing she'll outlive me by at least 10 years. Do I need life insurance on myself to be sure she's okay after I'm gone? Yeah, that's a good question. And I actually do, too, uh, do Ben, have a couple of clients where this does apply, depending on what you have for assets, you know, and a projection of how much money you both need and how much money will be needed when one passes. Questions such as, do you or her have social security? Do you have pensions? If a pension, it depends on if you chose or you will choose a single life or a joint life payout. And it could very well mean it would be a very good idea to buy life insurance. Uh, we can help you with that determination because there's so many types from from term policies all the way mm-hmm. to permanent policies. I mean, there's a lot to it. So just reach out to us at pathfinderchat.com and schedule a 15-minute call. We'd be happy to help you sort through some of those things. But since we don't know your ages, by the time you retire, your taxes may be much higher, cost of living will be higher. Are there any kids to consider that you may like to possibly leave something for? And age is always going to be a factor when buying life insurance because the insurance companies want the cream of the crop. So the younger and healthier you are, the better your rates will be. Um, Is your wife working? Two incomes versus one is also a factor. So when one passes, if it's before retiring, you have a loss of income. Now, if it's after you've retired, now you've got one less social security payment and you'll both be, and then now you're going to be filing taxes as a single taxpayer. So all of those considerations are necessary when deciding on life insurance and what kind of life insurance to buy. That's a good question. Yeah. In fact, uh, throughout my career, Barb, I have actually seen families that have been decimated because they really didn't count on the breadwinner dying, you know, and so it can make the difference between abundance or scarcity if that happens. And the one thing that we have to remember about life insurance, um, you know, we all kind of chuckle at, uh, the Woody Allen uh, picture about, you know, that how, what does it mean to be uh, tormented? You know, you're in a grave <laughs> with a life insurance guy, right? <laughs> you can't get out of a grave. You're, you're, you're having to fend off that life insurance pitch, but you know, all kidding aside it uh, what the life insurance really does, it creates an immediate estate in the event that one of the important people in the, in the relationship or the either one would, would pass away. So just bear that in mind that it's, it doesn't necessarily go away just because you've gotten older. Right. It might be to replace income. Absolutely. Very true. Thanks for that question, Michael. All right. One more question here on today's podcast is from Pam. It says, what do you consider a reasonable amount to pay for financial advice? Yeah. Let me answer that by saying that the fee a client pays depends upon the type of services being offered by that advisor or that firm. 
So uh, in our experience, most advisors come in around 1%. That's just to manage the, the portfolio, some higher, some lower, but that seems to be the average and the acceptable range. In most cases, uh, the more the client has under management, the less charge involved. So there's mm-hmm. something called break points along the way. However, fees paid to an advisor are continually being squeezed uh, due to competition. And, and firms like ours have become becoming, they have become more holistic. What I mean by that is they're uh, offering more services, they're offering more uh, products. So they might offer things like uh, tax planning, which we do, uh, or bookkeeping services, or estate planning, or re- reverse mortgages. That's something that, right. Barb, you're going to be doing sometime in the near future for a client. Mm-hmm. Post-retirement planning income, uh, insurance planning, budget prep, just to mention a few. Now, some firms out there also specialize in in the service sectors. So they'll uh, work with professionals like doctors and dentists and not only do their personal finances, but also work with their businesses. Mm-hmm. Fees can vary. Uh, sometimes they're bundled within the, the, the uh, percentage, uh, or sometimes they're just charged separately a la carte. But the heart of the matter is about what's reasonable. Char- a reasonable charge rests with something we'll call value. In other words, am I getting what am I getting for the fee that I'm paying? Uh, as a client. Okay. So here's one example of a value proposition that might be important to our listeners. Uh, Let's say a client comes to an advisor with an investment portfolio that consists mainly of large company, US uh, large cap stocks. Uh, We'll just say that you think about the S&P 500. So they've got large cap uh, stock funds that they accumulated in their 401k plan while they were working. Now this client realizes that uh, while they were working, the portfolio was very volatile. They didn't really care because they were adding money to it. And so uh, they were contributing money to it. They were comfortable with the volatility in the portfolio. But now uh, the client is on the cusp of retirement and wants to reduce the volatility. Well, how does he go about doing that? He knows that after he retires, uh, you know, he will be subject to losses in the future. And he knows that he has to also draw income. That's not a good combination. You know, if the count is down and they have to draw income, that could actually uh, aggravate the loss in the portfolio. So what should he do to reduce risk? Because he has to take income now and he also has to grow the account, correct? So so here's what a qualified advisor would do. They'll work up a report showing the risk in the portfolio and the downside risk during a bear market cycle. So they have to really be uh, upfront with the client and show the academic side of this and and for that portfolio that they're holding, that this client is holding, what is a downside potential loss historically? The advisor will also determine the amount of income the client needs and develop a report that will ideally match the portfolio with the income needed so as to provide what we call predictable and sustainable income, plus grow the investments in the future. Now, that's all very complicated. I mean, it, it's not something yeah. that most people can do on their own. Uh, but once the client has developed this academically verified portfolio and allocated uh, the account so that uh, it's balanced properly, this will give that client peace of mind even during uh, down markets and difficult times. So, so the question you have to ask yourself or this client has to ask themselves is this, could this client have made those productive portfolio choices on their own? Likely not. Probably not. Probably (laughs) not. Now, you know, we all think, I mean, part of the difficulty with this, Barb, is that uh, the investment community has been, uh, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, kind of 
oh, I don't know, what do you want to say? It's, it's just basically monetized or uh, every, everything is the same. Well, it's not true. Okay, it's not true. And so here's the second question that they have to ask. Was the, was the value achieved worth the advisor's fee? So one of the things that we have to ask ourselves is, was, mm-hmm. the, was it worth the money? Now, not only that, but if, if this advisor is really working in, in the best interest of the client, uh, they will monitor this portfolio every single year and make sure that they are on that, that, that perfect, what we call the efficient frontier to make sure that, that they have the ideal mix between risk and return. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's, that is worth something, but it's up to the client to decide whether that's really the value that they're looking for. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's a, you know, we've got people coming to see us, Phil, that have retired, that are getting ready to retire, that are still working, that, you know, will be working for several years. And and many of them, many of our clients have thrown up their hands and said, you know, there's too much to all this. And and I, I really don't know what I'm doing, so I do need help, you know. So I think it depends on what you're looking for. It you does. Know? Yes. If, you're, if you're looking for a retirement planning service, that's what our clients have fit into. Because as everything that you had mentioned, Phil, it's just part of our process. Now, I seldom see anyone come into our office um, that has retired that has an income plan. And we see we see our clients regularly. So if that's important to you, we, we have education classes. We just recently had one at a local restaurant. And we uh, have those regularly to, to see our clients at, in another way. But if you're if being able to meet with one advisor for all your retirement needs is important, then you likely are in agreement with a fee. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, then okay, that's okay too. You just wouldn't be a fit for us because you may not find value in all that we provide. Well, you know the old saying is, is true, Barb. That you know uh, a lot of people don't know what they don't know. It's and, very true. And they're making some assumptions. Yep, they're making some mm-hmm. assumptions that they can they can really handle it. And of course, if they have nothing to compare the results to, then uh, they've got some additional problems on top of it. Yeah, we don't see anyone that has come into our classes. Phil and I teach a uh, class called Taxes in Retirement. And I don't know if we've seen anyone that come in that has done any tax planning for the several years we've been doing these. Most yeah. most will come in and say that their financial advisor doesn't get involved in that, um, but uh, you know we as financial advisors we we can talk about tax saving opportunities every bit of that we can do and that is how, that is uh, the, the way in which we help our clients with well tax that, yeah the whole idea is the holistic approach that we're taking that you know one uh, one part of the of the particular service will affect another and uh, so you know you can't do taxes and and not talk about retirement income. Right. Or vice versa. So those are important uh, parts of the puzzle. And uh, so uh, our advice is work with a holistic planner if you can. I think it's money well spent, um, especially if if this is not an area of expertise uh, for you. Someone who's a fiduciary. Right. Very true. Very true. Great question, though, Pam. And uh, we appreciate everyone that decided to send in questions to us. And we'd love to hear from you. So if you you do have anything on your mind, please either go to pathfinderchat.com. Right there, you can schedule a meeting with Barbara and Phil right there through that website. Or you can call directly, 815-399-9806 is that number. And you can get your questions answered and whatever other planning items that you have on your list. Barbara and Phil can help you with that. All right, we will close it out on that note. As always, great information, great conversation, and I look forward to doing it again in a couple of weeks, Barbara and Phil. Yeah, that's right. Yep, thank you for the questions. Keep, Keep the questions coming for us. Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening to the Retirement Pathfinder. Please hit subscribe wherever you listen. New episode coming in a couple of weeks, and we'll talk to you then.
information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.